Welcome to Everyday Expression, featuring the ministry of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church from Huntington, West Virginia. Let's join in live now from the sanctuary of Expression Church for a powerful word straight from God for your everyday real life. Psalm 85. Oh, here we go. David was writing this psalm when the Philistines were kind of holding the Israelites in captivity. And David was one of those guys, as you know, who wrote the psalms we worship a lot like David does today. We, 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 we use him as our model worshiper uh, when we bring in instruments and strings and the way he saw, sung songs and wrote, wrote music. David is just the epitome of a heart of worship. And David was writing this when the Philistines were in control and there was lots of oppression in the area. So David writes, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation. And call, look at this, and cause your anger towards us to cease. Will you be angry? This is the question he was asking. Will you be angry forever, God? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? When is this fierce anger gonna end, God? Verse six says, will you not revive us again? Is this where it ends? That your people may rejoice in you? Can, can we not have a hope that, that, that turns this thing around? Or does this trial have to end bad? Does it, does this, is this sickness where it ends right now? Is this divorce where it ends right now? Is this death where it ends right now? It, can something change? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear, then he says this, after, after giving all of his thoughts to God, he says, I'm gonna see what the Lord has to say. I know what I'm feeling, but let's see what God has to say. I will hear what God, the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mer here we go. Mercy and truth have met together righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring up out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Aren't you glad for David? Aren't you glad for a prophet and a king, a priest, that were able to see way into the future and look through the cross and see how things were gonna be, even though the circumstances sitting right there and then didn't look very good? Aren't you glad for a, a prophetic voice that's able to see and, 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 and transcend time and not realize, not look just at the, the current surroundings and the, uh, the, the, the inhibitions of people and the, all the, the, the problems that people were having and all the calamity that was going on around him and the captivity that people were in? Aren't you glad that somebody was able to say, let me look and hear what the Lord has to say? Because even though the circumstances and situations were right with everything he said, because it looked like God was mad, God was angry, he brought those Israelites back under captivity into the Philistines, and it looked like they were getting what they were due. And if a 
New Testament night guy today would be around here, many preachers or pastors and prophets around here today in our New Testament time in the 2020, they would say, well, look at the judgment that's come upon the people of Israel. Look at the, the judgment that's coming on the people of Israel during that time. He would say, they would say the same thing, but it will take a voice that sees through the cross that's able to tell God's heart in the matter. See, because in the Old Testament, if you read it, you'll see, man, it was difficult because how hard would it was it to see when the, the, the Amalekites would come out uh, of, of Egypt, they were cross, or the children of Israel come out, out of Egypt, the Amalekites were in the land, in the wilderness, and Moses went to them and said, hey, can, can the Israelites, can, as we're traveling through to the promised land, can we come through here? Give us a little bit of water, give us a little bit of food, and we'll come right through your land. We won't stay, we won't be here long, let us travel through. The Amalekite and the King Ag, Agag, Agag says, no, you all stay away from us. You don't come through this land. God looked at them and says, okay, you're not gonna let my people go through there. I'm gonna remember, and you're gonna remember this day. God says they're cursed. I'm gonna curse them. Why are they cursing? Because truth and righteousness matter. God is a God of truth. God is a God of righteousness. When God looked at Adam on the cross, or when he looked at Adam in the garden and Adam sinned, and God looks up at Adam, looks at God and says, "Now what? When God looked at him and said, you shall surely die, God didn't say, maybe. The wages of sin is death. You, there is a consequence to death of sin. And if God wasn't righteous in his ways, he could just look the other way and turn his head and say, well, we'll let that go. God would not be righteous if he wasn't looking at the way sin is. He just doesn't look at it and say, well, here we go. Here they are again. My goodness. You know, we'll, we'll give them a pass. He's not like, he don't parent like we do. Amen. He's truth. Truth demands justice. Righteous demands consequence. It just does. It's God is righteous. God is truth. The challenge in the Old Testament that David began to see was the challenge was that mercy and truth had not met. So all through the Old Testament, truth, truth, righteousness, truth, truth, righteousness, because there was not one man that could take the sins of mankind upon himself other than God. So it was truth, truth, truth. God went to, 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 to Lot, and, and to Abram, and he said, get him out of Sodom and Gomorrah because truth demands, righteousness demands, the consequences of sin is death. Lot, come, let's go, let's get the people out of here. So Abram gets Lot, and they're coming out of the land. His wife looks back, and guess what? Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Truth and righteousness. Why? Because mercy and peace had met. Think about this Old Testament God we hear about today. See, it's the problem, we have, we have a hard time reconciling this. Because on one hand, man, God was ready to kill the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, because they were talking about Moses. He said, I'll kill every last one of them. Why? Truth, righteousness. We don't talk about that much, do we? In fact, so much so, it came to the point where God told Saul to kill when he took, went in as a king, went in and took all of the Amalekites prisoner, remember? 
And God said, I want you to kill Agag. I want you to kill his family. I want you to kill every livestock, every sheep, because why? I cursed them back when they were in the wilderness because of truth and righteousness. Kill every one of them. What'd Saul do? Saul killed them all except the best of the sheep and the cattle, and he spared the king Agag. Samuel comes to town, the prophet, and he hears the sheep bleeding in the background, and he sees this king standing here, and he looks at Saul, and he says, well, what, what did you do? He said, man, I did it in the name of the Lord. The Lord will be proud. I got those sheep because they're gonna be great offerings for God. Samuel says, what are you talking about, great offering? Did you not have a mandate to kill them all? Now, we're talking about the God of the universe give a mandate to kill those people. Why? Because truth and righteous demanded it. They sinned, and it demanded death. So Samuel says, you've got to kill him. So all those, they bring Agag, and they bring Agag, and they kill Agag in front of everybody, kill all those sheep and all those cattle. Why? Because righteousness had to be carried out, and truth had to be carried out. He killed him. A little later, and a few chapters later, few books later, Joshua, many of our, he's our hero in many cases, takes the children of Israel in across the, the Jordan River into that land of promise, a warrior, a fighter. They walk into the first place after crossing over the Jordan River. They go in the first city. The first city was walled by walls, and you know the story of the city of Jericho, Joshua gets all the people and says, we're gonna go around this city, we're gonna be silent, but on that seventh day, we're gonna shout, and the seventh day, it's gonna crumble, and when the walls come coming down, I want you to go in and take every one of those people, every one of them. And God looked at Joshua and he said, listen, this is the first fruits of crossing over into that land. The first fruits belong to me. There are 10 other provinces over there, you're gonna take them all, but that first one in Jericho belongs to me. So what they do? They went into Jericho and they wiped it out. Why? Truth and righteous demanded it. Amen. Wiped it clean. Except there was this guy named Achan. Achan sees a, some good treasury, some good stuff. So Achan takes some of it for himself and his family, his wife and his kids, and he buries it in the ground in his tent. Joshua goes on to the next city called Ai. And when he went into the next city, Man, they took Jericho like nothing. They go to Ai and they, only, they say, well, this is a smaller city. We won't even have to send very many guys there. They go over there and they get their behinds kicked. Joshua comes back to God and says, why in the world would you let us do that? God says, Joshua, get up from crying. Truth and righteousness have to be fulfilled. You got someone in your camp that's stealing. Somebody took the first fruits. They brought a curse on everybody in the land. The first fruit belonged to me, I told you that. They smell out the person and the family, it's Achan. They bring Achan out in front of everybody, wife, kids, and can you imagine what was going on at the time? Everybody, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people gathered around are gonna stone Achan. God said, kill him. Joshua said, we're gonna kill him. Joshua, this is Joshua, God's guy. Puts him out in a circle. Here's mom, Aiken, or mom, dad, Aiken, and mom holding the babies, and the baby's around going, what are we doing here, mom? What are we doing, dad? What's happening here? Mom's starting to panic a little bit and say, what's happening, Aiken? What's happening? What's He's going, man, I, I don't know. I know we've got some stuff down here, but I, I, I should have taken some, it's the first fruits. I know it belongs to God, but I, I don't know. And Joshua's going, hey, everybody, everybody get a stone. 
we're killing, we're killing Achan, his wife, and his kids. Now that seems heartless to me. Because in most churches today, we would say, if you'll just repent, Achan, it'll be okay. But justice, because truth and righteousness had to be fulfilled. And can you imagine when Joshua yelled out and said, go, it wasn't just one stone. It wasn't just two stones. Stones coming from every direction. And Achan and the mother trying to protect their little one, knowing good and well they couldn't even protect themselves. And finally, stoned even to death. Children, family. You know Joshua's heart was torn out, but Joshua couldn't do anything about it because why? Truth and righteousness had not yet met. Mercy and peace. We'll be right back with more Everyday Expression. We hope that today's ministry has been a blessing to you so far. I speak on behalf of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church when I say it's an honor and a privilege to get to minister all across the world. The only way that we can reach the world is through people helping financially sowing into the ministry. People just like yourself who have been blessed and are truly feeding from this ministry. So if you feel like that's you today and you'd like to join in and begin to sow so that the message of the kingdom of God can spread into all areas of the nations, I encourage you today, visit expchurch.org, click on the word give, or you can also text give by sending a message to the number 84321 and the text giving amount. We hope again that you have been blessed by this ministry and that you will experience the expression of Jesus Christ in your everyday real life. I want to talk to you today about the Lazarus seasons of your life. Lazarus was a close friend to Jesus. Jesus loved Lazarus and Lazarus loved him. And at one point, Lazarus gets sick. And at the time that he gets sick, Jesus is not in the same city or town. He's off away preaching. And so Lazarus sends word to, to Christ, I need you to come back, I'm sick, and I need you to heal, heal me. Now Lazarus knew that Jesus would heal him because he'd seen him do it before. And he believed because he loves me, he'll do it for me. So he sends the word off. Now where Jesus was preaching was a considerable distance away, several days journey away. And in the time that the message went out from Lazarus to Jesus, and the time that Jesus actually came to Lazarus, Lazarus has gotten sicker and he, he actually dies. It is that waiting room, that span of time between where your prayer goes out and Jesus comes, that can be the hardest. Because I wonder what Lazarus was going through every day as it got bleaker and as he got sicker, thinking, I know he loves me. I know that he heard me. He knows that I need him. I know he's coming. I just don't know when. And I can't imagine or wonder if the people around him are questioning, like, are you sure he loves you? Are you sure he got the message? Are you sure he's really gonna come? Do you think he's really gonna do it for you, Lazarus? And it gets bleaker and he gets sicker and he dies. And then Jesus comes. And I question this, I'm like, why didn't Jesus heal him from where he was at? He'd done that before in scripture. Why did he wait till after Lazarus died to come and resurrect him? Because sometimes there are things in your life that need to die out and be resurrected in a new season that can be sustainable. 
So if you find yourself in this waiting room where you have prayed and asked God for something and you know that he heard you, you know that he loves you, you know that he's coming and that he will, you just don't know when, just be patient. Just keep, just, just keep faith. He's coming. It may not look the way that you think it should look. It may not be in the timing that you think it should come in, but he is coming. He's on his way. This has been Pastor Maria Reynolds with Curator Ministries and Expression Ministries Network. If you'd like to connect today with Pastor Maria, go ahead and like the Facebook page Curator Ministries and subscribe today to Curator's YouTube channel. We're back with more Everyday Expression. Over and over and over and over and over again throughout the scripture, it happened. One story after another, God having to execute judgment. And Joshua was the guy that walked with Moses when Moses went to the top of the mountain and got the tabernacle planned from God. Moses was with Joshua and Joshua had heard it all and got the exact plan and replica from him going, God, this is crazy because what was happening is there was an outer court where everybody could see out in the courtyard and it was this inner court and inside this one little holy place behind this big old curtain was this seat boxed in. It was called a mercy seat. And I promise you, when the mercy seat was behind that box, the mercy couldn't get out. The mercy, nothing could get in. And occasionally, once a year, the high priest would come in and take bull's blood and goat's blood and sprinkle it on the seat, but it never did much good. It only pushed it to year to year, and mercy was still confined. It didn't break out. Murphy, mercy, contained for 4,000 years. Through Joshua, David comes along, a man after God's own heart. Through David was gonna be, through the throne of David was gonna come this Messiah one day. Kept being prophesied over and over by all, this, all the prophets of, of old time. David finally, out on the back sheep, feeding the sheep, and here he comes, and he comes in, and he says, I, yeah, I'm, I'm anointed king, and they send him back out into the, 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 the field again to, to take care of the sheep and the the parents farm and while all the brothers go for the war, David's back here knowing there's something special but I don't know what it is. So while he was out here in the, with the sheep, he would just sing songs and write songs, songs like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil. Oh, I'll, under, the, under the, the, the shadow of the Almighty, oh, those that wait upon the Lord shall re renew their Strength. So David began to worship and, and wait in time. And, 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 and times was, 14 years was a long time to wait on something to happen. And he's out here, he go fight Goliath and take Goliath's head off only to be back on the run again because his time was coming and it felt like his time had passed and was it ever gonna get here? And David learned to run, David learned to fight. David became a warrior. He used to, he built his kingdom and God's kingdom fighting and fighting and fighting. So David became a soldier. David, would, Saul would kill a thousand, but David would kill 10,000. The people would shout. So David, he would get to the point one day when he was fighting a war and, and he, God wasn't doing what he thought he was gonna do and David was already had been declared king and it wasn't working well and David 
threw off his kingly garb, put on his ephod, his priestly garb. He got out and he was naked in front of God and praising and worship and dancing in front of the Lord because he knew that he needed to worship the Lord. So David began to bring in and enter in a, a style of worship and a type of worship and a heart of worship that transcended and penetrated through time. He began to write songs on the other side and they, he would say, they would get glimpses as a prophet and look, he would look and he would say, man, this is a powerful because he would say, there's coming a day. Blessed are those in that day when God will not hold those transgressions against them or their sins or iniquity, he won't hold it to their charge. Boy, he, David would go, God, there's, God, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. In fact, David wrote Psalm 85 when he would say, God, how long are you gonna be, are you gonna be angry forever? Are you, is, it, is it always gonna end bad? Is it always, do we not have hope beyond this mess? God, can, does it, is there never ever gonna, does it, are you gonna, God, you're just angry, you're an angry God. The people see you and it's an angry God. Your fierceness scares everybody. And everybody's afraid to go up against you, go up and talk to you, God, but something inside of my heart says you're tender and you're mercy, but we don't see it all the time. We say you're the God of peace, but God, we're seeing Achan get killed and Agag get killed and over and over families get killed. We're seeing slaughter after slaughter. We're seeing people lose. Israelites are up and Israelites are down. We see you on the, on the throne like a big hammer. How long are you gonna be angry, God? We see our cities and we see our regions in, in, in dismay and, and, and falling apart. We see drugs and alcohol. We see people falling apart. Marriages falling apart. Families falling apart. God, how long are you going to let it be that way? How long will you be angry? And after getting it all out on the table, all of his disappointments, all of his assessments, he finally looks up and he says, I'm going to wait to hear what you have to say. And God drops it in his heart. And he says, David, it won't always be this way. There'll be a day come, and you're gonna know when it is, when truth meets mercy, and righteousness and peace kiss. And in that day, and at that time, everything that you're seeing in your heart, David, will come to pass, because I'm gonna pour out a new wine in a new wineskin. They're gonna think differently. It's gonna be a whole different way. David, how, how, will, we, how will we know? I wanna live in that day. He's gonna, you know, and David kept writing song after song after song. David even said to this, God, I, I, I looked at his window one day, he saw Bathsheba on the roof, and he saw God in a tent. And he said, Man, I gotta build God a house. I can't lay in here in the palace. I can't sit in here in this, this palace and look over there and God's in a tent. I'm gonna build him a, I, God, I'm building you a house. I'm gonna do the work for you. I need, to, I need to work for God and build him a house because I can't be here and God be there. It can't be. Samuel comes to, or Nathan comes to the, David the prophet and he says to him, says, what, what do you want to do? He says, I'm gonna build him a house. David says, he says, do what's on your heart. That was at night. The next day, Nathan comes back to David and says, what do you want to do? He said, I want to build, build him a house. I'm going to build him a house. He said, no, no, no. You can't build God a house, David, because you are a man of war. You're, you're not going to build God's house with blood on your hands. 
David, because you're living in the dispensation of time when it's righteousness and truth and judgment, you can't build that, David. It's not built that way. You don't build it in war, even though you have warfare. Your warfare is not like warfare like you think it is, David. David said, man, can't build it. So David went to his grave with the desire to build God's house. He gathered all the material, and his son ended up building at Solomon, but he gathered all the material. But David had a glimpse into the future through that cross. You following me? Because truth and righteousness ruled and reigned and prevailed. And judgment and consequence was the only way to go. One day, as the story continued, when the fullness of time had happened, David has already been passed away in his grave, watching from the banisters of heaven. Lo and behold, there comes this Jewish man walking down toward the Jordan River. And when he come walking down towards the Jordan River, here's this man named John the Baptist that was eating wild honey and locusts and dressed in camel's hair and he was in the water of the Jordan. He was baptizing people under repentance, under repentance and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people being baptized under repentance and here come this man walking. John looks up his eyes, fastens his eyes upon this man walking down this aisle and this man looks at him, he looks at him and he goes, oh, oh behold, the Lamb of God the one that takes away the sins of the world. He comes down into the water. John looks at him and he says, I don't need you. Jesus says, I want you to be baptizing me. And he says, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. Jesus says to him, it's necessary you baptize me for righteousness sake. Jesus, for three and a half years, walked amongst people, healing people, setting people free, wrecking funerals, doing all the things he does well, teaching and, te- and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. All they knew up for 4,000 years was truth, righteousness, judgment, and consequences. And Jesus comes to introduce to them the heart of the Father. Mercy embodied Peace embodied, truth embodied, righteousness embodied, life embodied. Three and a half years. And then one day, there was a commotion. If you allow me this, There was a man that was walking through the city. There was a a man that knew God. He walked by this fire and he said, what's all the commotion about? And this guy by the fire was warming his hands and said, I don't know anything about him. I don't know who he is. Okay. Walks a little further. He begins to talk to some other people. and He says, man, what are they doing? They said, they're they're, they're gambling for his clothes. They're they're, they're gambling for his, his stuff. He says, man, I'm gambling for his stuff. He keeps going. He goes, oh, this must be another one of God's angry again. Man, that man, another person says, he's, he's a false prophet. He's blaspheming God. He could hear everybody screaming, let his blood be upon us and our children. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Crucify him, crucify him. And all of a sudden, a guy comes walking by and he goes, hey, stop him. And he says, what's, what's your name? Who are you? He goes, I'm, 
you know, I'm, my name's Barabbas, man. I don't know is I have death sentence on me today, and I don't know what's going on. He said, I, I should have died. Truth, righteousness, being executed. You go a little further down the road, he begins to see, finally he spots the, this man named Jesus and he's carrying his cross and he can't hardly carry it anymore and as he was carrying the cross, he falls to the ground. His, his knees buckle underneath him. Sweat, blood running down his back because of the, they had beaten him with the cat of nine tails and he was bleeding really bad and it was just dripping and dripping and every now and then he could get a turn around because he couldn't go any further and a glimpse of his face, they begin to see his face was so beaten so badly that it looked like he had been in car wreck after car wreck and beaten so badly that, that his eyes were swelled shut. His forehead was bulging out. He had snot running down his face where people had spit on him and mocked him. His beard was pulled out so hard that people had pulled on his beard to make fun of him. They were poking at him and beating at him and poking at him and beating at him. And finally, he just fell to the ground and he couldn't even carry the cross. And a man walks over and says, named Simon of Cyrene, and says, I'll take that for you. That's all we have time for today. But join us next week for the continuation of this sermon. If you'd like more information about Pastor Kevin West or Expression Church, visit our two websites, kevinwest.org and expchurch.org. Pick up Pastor Kevin's latest book, Angel in Isle 3, and other downloadable resources. Also, go to the Google Play or iTunes Store to download the church's app, Expression Church. It's a free app that you can get all of our information and watch our services live. Be blessed wherever you are today in this world and be the expression of Jesus Christ in every day, real life.